Hello, barely sentient local. Hi! Stop laughing, this is serious. Oh, I can't help it, can I, with you and your big old face? I'm exactly the same size. It's the pictures that got small. How are you gonna get out? Pull to open. Pull to open. Yes, and what do you do? I tried to talk, I want you to remember that. And I think that you understand us perfectly. They are everywhere. We've been so blind. That is the role you seem determined to play, so it seems that I must play. Here comes the drums! Thank you. That's the new pull to open theme tune. Uh, all rights reserved. Uh, I, I came up with the. Um, the music myself uh, sorry ron granger um yes we are pull to open we are random doctor who podcast going randomly in random order through random doctor who my name is chris taylor and i'm pete paschal and nothing has gone wrong with our regeneration don't no. worry keep your zero cabinet secured we're fine everything's all right <laughs> <laughs> everything's fine here how are you i'm good i'm good no meta crisis none <laughs> Excellent, excellent. Yes. All right. So we are on this random adventure, and wow, we are we are loving it. We're loving it. We're in a, we're in a good mood, I think, Peter, about where the randomizer has been taking us recently. It's um, it has yeah. been, uh, or at least in its most recent move, <laughs> it <laughs> uh, it gave us a good thing, uh, which is good because we weren't too happy with where it took us last week. But why don't you yeah. uh, give the good folks at home a recap? I'm going to say that the randomizer has been pretty good about provoking responses at us lately. So mm-hmm. previously on Pull to Open, just a few stories ago, we were at a story of the Pertwee era, which looked really good in some ways, but story-wise, perhaps not as good, is the mutants, arguably better as wallpaper, as someone once said. And I think that was, someone was had the last name Taylor and the first name Christopher. <laughs> um from the mutants, we were rocketed forward to the Capaldi era for one of his adventures with one Bill Potts, where she was looking for a new place to live. And that, of course, was Knock Knock. We had our guest Brian Young from the Full of Sith podcast with us to talk about that episode. That was super fun. Yeah. And uh, Capaldi, of course, the, the randomizer's favorite doctor, mm. still still undefeated. In the randomizer's eyes. Still undefeated, because even though after we did Knock Knock, we did a little interlude in uh, 19th century China in Legend Mm. of the Sea Devils, Mm. uh, an adventure that was arguably all wet. Yay. Uh, and to close out the the Whitaker era, well, almost, it was one, it's the penultimate episode of uh, Jody's Run. The randomizer uh, was, then fell back on it. Wallpaper. Yeah, I'll just, yeah, just say also, that. Also wallpaper. <laughs> also wallpaper. We'll but the that. randomizer fell back on its favorite doctor to take us to... Uh, well, before I tell you what it took us, taken us to, I'll tell you a little bit of... Give you a little bit of data on why we know Peter Capaldi is the randomizer's comfort food. We have done yeah. 13 out of 34 12th Doctor stories now, which is really wow. about, about 38% of his run, so almost wow. half. So of all the Doctors, 
in terms of what we've done for pull to open so far. That is the highest proportion, although I'm putting a caveat there. It's actually second to Jody, but that's only because at the very beginning of pull to open for you very long time listeners, we were not random and we were doing the show currently. So you yeah. can't really count those first few episodes of pull to open where we were doing the uh, current, I think it was series 11. So taking Jody out of it, sorry, Jody, no, no, no offense. It was just a symptom of the podcast, uh, but that skewed it high. So Capaldi is number one. He beats every other doctor in terms of the number of stories we've done and the number of yeah. times the randomizer has taken us there. And specifically, the number of times it's taken us to the season that we're about to revisit again, uh, season eight. Of Episode nine, yes. Flatline. Flatline. Got, got my tiny TARDIS. <laughs> As do I. Costume. <laughs> it's tiny TARDIS time. Yes, the we, what we really should have done with the previously on is 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 set up the the fact that we went to uh, Planet of Giants mm-hmm. in in, yes. uh, in recent history. We've also been to Legopolis, uh, which Friend. features Tiny Tardis and uh, Carnival of Monsters with the the mini scope featured a mm-hmm. Tiny Tardis. We almost have a tidy Tardis, Tiny Tardis bingo. What what are we missing? Well. Technically, we're missing the episodes with the Tesselector in the Matt Smith. Era. Oh, that's true. That's right. But yes, there are a couple really, of those. I guess we we have a unintentionally tiny TARDIS bingo. Yeah, with Flatline. I think um, that there's the tiny TARDIS bingo, and then there's messing with the external dimensions bingo, which I would mm. include the name of the Doctor in that. Or is yes. it? No, wait, not name of the Doctor. Is it name uh, of, it is, no, it is name it of the is, Doctor. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> all those episodes, just they all have something of the Doctor in that era, and they, they get them really fine, confused. They, yeah. But yeah, there's the because basically on Transalore, the the TARDIS is like super big on, in yes, that one. Because so, its dimensions are leaking out. Yes. Are there other episodes where it was super big? I know there's like, I think they've messed around with it in the books and maybe the big finish, but other than that, I don't know if there's yeah, other that's, ones that's where it got large. Big. The, the unintentional, yeah, I'm pretty sure we got unintentionally tiny bingo. So uh, <laughs> please fill out your unintentionally tiny bingo card. Uh, if you can still see it, if it hasn't shrunk, uh, because yeah, we've, we've reached it with flatline. The, the randomizer, I feel like so every every week we give the randomizer challenges. We'll give it one again at the end of the show when we decide where to go next. I feel like it has sort of granted us one wish each. And Pete, I'm not sure what your wish is, but I I feel like I I sort of gave it the wish early on when I said I wanted like TARDIS heavy episodes, like because mm. it it yeah. has just served up so many, so many of the episodes that are not. Oh look, we have a time and space machine at the end of the story to take us away to the next story. No, these are all stories where the TARDIS is absolutely integral, and the randomizer just loves them. It keeps serving them up, and and I, I got to say, I'm so grateful for that, and especially grateful for this one because this, when when I watched Flatline, not they didn't really make that much of an impression. Like the first time um, you mean? The first time I watched it back yeah. in 2014, and and now I I have way different opinions but we'll, we'll mm. get to them we'll definitely get to them and folks will if you want to cut right to them uh you can cut right to our commentary on flatline you can go ahead and check the show notes in your podcast app or the notes under the video on youtube and we will have very prominently the exact time code where our commentary on flatline begins of course with tldw where we summarize the story in record time 
And we will jump instead now. <laughs> I've really got to figure out a way to not awkwardly go to the feedback loop because that's what I want to do now. And we've actually got lots to talk about in the feedback loop. Good, interesting things Ooh. from the fans and uh, other places. Uh, and let's, yeah, get, let's stick begin. Around. Stick around because it's going to be interesting. We've got the Humoji Challenge coming up. We've got, uh, you know, uh, our, one of our regular vi- uh, you know, uh, video game. No, game show segments. We have the Humoji Challenge and we have TLTW. We have uh, results from our poll, from poll to open. Uh, so it's a fun segment. And um, listeners, Peter's about to tell you how you can support the, the fun that is pulled to open. Supporting the fun is so key. We love interacting with all of our listeners. And one of the best ways to do so is by reviewing the very podcast you're listening to, guys. You can leave a review in the podcast app you're using, especially Apple Podcasts. It's a great place to leave one. Reviews, especially five-star reviews, will help make the show visible to more listeners who are eager for great discussion of Doctor Who. And really, the only better way to show your appreciation for this year's podcast is to share it with a friend. So feel free to pause the playback, leave a review, or share it out right this second. Yes, and I, I, I know that this isn't officially the order that we do things in, but I'd love to uh, sidestep the Humoji challenge for, for a second. This may be self-serving. Uh, but we do have a great comment of the week, which I think sort of shows that this isn't just uh, this isn't just talk about you know, our listeners really enjoying this and uh, why, why they should share it with friends. Um, I've, I've been skipping ahead and looking at our, our comment of the week on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, so, Pete, you want, to, you, want to, you want to tell us about that? Sure. We had a commenter, a first-time commenter, but clearly long-time listener, uh, Charby80, with the handle, uh, says... C. Harvey? Yes. C. Harvey. Could be C. Harvey. Uh, yeah. That's me finally caught up with you listen to 89 of these and seems 89. to be all of them I think there are older ones not put on youtube question mark i listened to these while working and have enjoyed my journey with you both started on mysterious planet and re-randomly listened and what <laughs> a really good way to make your way through doctor who lots of good moments and i think my favorite moment was after frontier in space and asking to get away from classic stuff the randomizer <laughs> hits you with the mutants yes <laughs> oh yes good times yeah glad glad you enjoyed that <laughs> to stop working for a minute to rewind and watch your faces take that one in. <laughs> well, yeah, I got to do that. Chris had just had to just take that one on the chin. Anyway, spot on stuff. And I can now listen to your journey in the order the randomizer dictates. I will make a personal request to the randomizer as I work cleaning bus interiors and as spent the last two months or so listening to these, I will ask for a bus related episode. There are a few I can think of, so here's hoping. Anyway, well done, chaps, and thanks very much. Oh, wow. I just love this comment, obviously. I mean, it's just great. This is this is exactly, you know, the the kind of impact we're trying to have. Uh, and it's like, I think, this, you know, he, he's doing exactly what uh, I, I do with various podcasts. It's like when you love a podcast and you're just using it uh, and you're putting your mind in the place with the hosts and the people who are taking you along with with it as you're doing something, whether it's doing the dishes, in this case, doing bus interiors or what have you, just yeah. really, it's it, it just sort of makes that time pass uh, much quicker. And uh, I love I love that he's he's contributing this challenge, which will, of course, we'll return to at the end of the show. Yeah, uh, I what what are bus related episodes? There's this Planet of the Dead, Planet uh, of the Dead, of course. Yeah. Well, did anything yeah. with Graham, arguably? 
True, true. And we did Rosa. We've done Rosa, yes. So we're on our way to a bus bingo. Um, but also, I love this comment. Well, first of all, wow, listening to 89 episodes of these and, and you're still not sick of our voices. That's, <laughs> that's incredible. Either you're still not sick of our voices and also you didn't, I'm assuming you didn't fall asleep on the job. So uh, we, we don't have uh, that that much of a soporific podcast. That's good to know. Um, but yes, Wow. What, that yeah. might, that may be the most unusual thing that we've ever heard of people doing while listening to Pull to Open. If you have used Pull to Open to do a more unusual activity than cleaning the inside of a bus uh, or multiple buses, I'm assuming, uh, please let us know. Um, and yeah, we'll, definitely we'll keep track know. of these <laughs> this weirdness that you're doing. And quick note on the number: I think the 89 is probably accurate. I actually haven't compiled it but because we've done various episodes that are more like video essays and we explore a topic rather than a mm. actual story of doctor who that sounds about right because this is actually this one right now uh is our 102nd episode of pull to open but a number of those have been interludes shall we say yes yes they have just extraordinary uh thank you thank you c harvey 80 uh, just so amazing. We were actually looking at our, our analytics on Pull to Open. We found that the the average listener does listen to a, a very good chunk of the of the uh, of the show, or does watch a good chunk of the entire podcast, which will mm-hmm. often run up to two hours on YouTube. So, uh, yeah, it, it feels like like we got something here. We got uh, we got a good thing going with with this random adventure. And also it's kind of nice that you really don't need to listen in order. It's almost fun to kind of listen to pull to open out of order. Uh, maybe one day you'll be able to listen to it sort of chronologically as we go through the series, like <laughs> listen to whenever we do an unearthly child first, <laughs> then, <laughs> you know, and eventually you'll skip to the sensor rights where you're like, wait, what, what is going on? They sound really unprofessional in this one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we uh, we ourselves are changing and growing and evolving with with the podcast. So, uh, but you you do not need to listen in order. You can you can just sort of guess when when a particular episode is from. Just just get it, get with the random spirit, man. Just pick out something randomly. That is a great spirit of just jumping on board, uh, mm-hmm. particularly with the episode we're about to talk about. But before we do, it's time to jump to the next part of the feedback loop, which of course is the emoji okay. challenge. Okay. Uh, I will say, by the way, just not to uh, procrastinate a little bit more on this, uh, not not that I dislike the Humoji Challenge, but it's interesting, isn't it, that last week the Humoji Challenge was Dimensions in Time. Right. And then then the randomizer took us to an episode that was all about the TARDIS Dimensions. Uh, So, yeah, Mm -hmm. maybe... Maybe the randomizer is also listening to the Humoji Challenge. The randomizer is always listening. <laughs> always, always listening. Always it's picking listening. it out. It's it's taking us where we need to go. But <laughs> I now, Chris, I'm going to take you where you need to go oh. as I describe a Doctor Who story title in the form of an, of an emoji, and you will guess the title. <laughs> will I? <laughs> will I though? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I think you got this one. I think you got this uh, one, and that's the only hint I'm going to give you. Okay. okay. This comes from Father Time Lord, and it comes through a review he left uh, a little bit ago and it is four emojis first emoji the repeat button okay so it's got the it's like a button with the two arrows in a circular pattern mm-hmm. 
Next, octopus. Next, trash bin. Next, plunger. Uh, okay, so so it's it's Daleks. It's the something of the Daleks, the the return of the Daleks, but there is no return of the Daleks. There's uh, it's, keep going, it's the keep hunting. Is it Eve of the Daleks? Because it's a time loop. Don't think uh, it's Eve of the Daleks. Oh dear, uh, resurrection of the Daleks. Uh, oh, yes. Hey. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> resurrection <laughs> of the Daleks. Oh dear. Daleks a- on repeat. oof that was that was lucky because i was about to go into the everything of the daleks and uh that is a list that i'm not sure i can i can (laughs) fully remember every single of the daleks uh so yeah you you. you done good you done good resurrection of the daleks thank (sighs) you father time lord and thank you everyone else uh who has submitted an emoji title and will in the future and if you're unsure of how to do that hey just drop us a line really anywhere we're at we're all over social media we're at pull to open 63 on twitter on instagram on facebook and on threads we're Mm. also of course at youtube.com slash pull to open and on TikTok at pull to open all one word. Go ahead, leave us a comment and, or uh, just, you know, bring us up on any of those places, however you can. Go ahead and leave the emoji title. Oh, there's also the reviews, guys. You can also leave one in and as, as a review. Just, just yeah. say it. Leave it as a review. It's a great place to leave it. It helps the podcast to do so. And you can torture me. Um, <laughs> see if you can come up with a of the Daleks that I don't remember. You know what, guys? If you want to DM Chris specifically at Future Boy on Twitter so he can reverse this this process, that's a thing you can do, too. So yeah, maybe I'll ask, be on the other end some, of it once. Ask me some probing questions about uh, which Doctor Who <laughs> stories I may or may not remember. I, I'll, give, I'll give you a hint. Like, McCoy era is, is not uh, one I'm familiar with. So anything in that realm, you're really, you're really going to torture me. Um, although, you know, I am... Like if you if you have cat emojis in there, I'm, I'm probably going to guess uh, Battlefield. Mm. Right, that was the 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 cat one. That uh, was not the cat one, dude. Oh, come God. on, you see, you see what I mean? Up. You see what survival. I mean? Survival, <laughs> survival. Thank you. Battlefield is the one that we did. We did that one, yeah. Yes, yes we did that's, it for the pod. That's why I'm thinking of it. That's why I'm thinking of it. Okay, right. so there's an example, folks. <laughs> well, Chris, <laughs> even though you're not super familiar with the McCoy era, I think you are familiar with the Spotify era. Why don't oh, yes. you tell our friends on who are listening on Spotify what else they can do besides listen? Well, hey, fellow Spotify listeners, if you are like me and uh, listening to the show first thing on a Saturday morning on Spotify, it's a great Saturday morning activity. But you don't just have to sit there listening passively. You can actually rate the show on the Spotify app. Plus, uh, you can answer the question that's there Plus, you can vote in the feature that we call Poll to Open. And all you have to do is scroll down on that page there below our uh, video. If you're watching on Wi-Fi, you can see our video, like you can on YouTube. Uh, But below that, there's a poll where you can rate the episode that we're talking about. And uh, we will discuss those ratings. The polls remain open no matter when in history you happen to be looking at that episode. So you can add your vote. And we have some ratings now for the Capaldi episode Knock Knock, uh, where we uh, we decide how many, we learn how many of you thought 
uh, that this was a cl- really classic, solid Doctor Who episode, aka a Viscount banger. How many of you thought it was a good episode of Doctor Who, aka a Dalek? A bad episode, but we learned something, Professor Hater, or not good episode at all. Um, and uh, no redeeming features, which is an Ogron. Um, or if you thought it was pretty wallpaper, no, we <laughs> we don't have that rating officially yet. Uh, we'll see, though. We'll, poll. we'll get to that. Um, but the results are that 71% of you agreed with me, Pete, and Brian Young uh, that Knock Knock, uh, the Capaldi episode from season 10, was a Dalek. Yeah. Uh, so yay, yay Daleks. Um, surprisingly, 14% of you thought it was a Viscount Banger. One of the best <laughs> of the best. Um, just not necessarily one that I would have, uh, category I would have placed um, Knock Knock in. But evidently a lot of you love David Suchet. You love uh, creaky old houses. Um, they love houses college houses. life. Yes. There it Self-aware is. Stories. College Maybe. Students. Maybe those 14% of you have just moved recently uh, into a new dorm room and you're like, God, I could have used the TARDIS for this move. Uh, and and that's why you're like, God, I... Yeah, TARDIS is moving service, Viscount Banger. Yeah, in uh, the words of Rose, got to be students. Also, 14% of you thought of it as a Professor Hater, which is you, mm-hmm. you didn't like it, but at least you learned something. Uh, I was almost there. I was almost there on that episode. I was. Mm. I think I went into the commentary thinking I would give it that, and then yeah. all the sort of through the discussion, I was like, yeah, I, I did actually enjoy those parts, the good chunks of it. So yes, yeah, yeah, we, we like to Dalek. give low key Dalek, low key Dalek uh, in in the form of a former professor hater. Uh, professor hater might be appropriate given the outfit that David Suchet was in in that one. It felt felt a bit like Professor Hater in Time Flight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so uh, maybe that's that's what you guys were thinking of. Um, but yeah, please vote on this very episode you're listening to right now. You can vote on what you think Flatline is. Hey, maybe even vote now before we've revealed what our opinion is. Uh, what Ooh, good plan. Get it. Uh, and then come back at the end of the podcast and see see how it measured up. Uh, Do that. Go get a burner Spotify account and vote twice. <laughs> yes yes the voting twice always uh, a thing we want to encourage here <laughs> early, and often, early and often it's what the doctor would do he would come back and vote in a different incarnation you know it sounds a little bit like something he would do in, in various things yeah. I, they should play on that at some, point, some yeah. point the democracy episode of doctor who and the undermining of it well, uh, you know, we've, we've had the beast below uh, i don't think true? the doctor yeah. actually voted in that uh but he was offered the opportunity to vote on Starship UK. Yeah, um, yeah I wonder if there are any other examples of uh, the Doctor participating in democracy. Anyway, we'll get warming that. up for our randomizer challenge later. <laughs> Before know. we do that, though, okay, we could. Uh, I want to cut to the flatline commentary. I want to start, but you know what, guys? There's actually been some Doctor Who news this week, mm. and I need to get some thoughts out on yes. what has happened. So, first of all, there was an interview with Shudi Gatwa for his upcoming season in. Um, what was it in? Was it in Verizon? No, no, it was in uh, uh, Rolling Stone, I think. Okay, am I right? Rolling Stone UK. I, I actually um, didn't read it, so I don't know. I know he's been in the media a lot. I know that ob- obviously he's in the movie Barbie, which is mm-hmm. about to come out. Uh, they they dropped a new pink TARDIS uh, yeah. on, <laughs> on the banks of the Thames. I don't know if you saw that, uh, but that was in honor of. How like, could I not see that? It was like all over Twitter, right? photoshopped right? on everything. 
Oh my god, I'm going back to the UK later this year. I really hope the pink TARDIS is still there. Um, so yes, uh, <laughs> they may have taken it away already, but my goodness, I wonder if that's like red kryptonite <laughs> in the Doctor Who universe. So the pink TARDIS is the TARDIS that's gone through a radiation cloud, and everything yeah. just gets super crazy. And <laughs> it's the extrovert TARDIS. It's the TARDIS with a perception filter taken off. It's like you can't actually take your eyes off it. <laughs> So there's that, uh, but the interview was great. He talked a bit about how he binged Doctor Who, like the new series, mm, once he okay. got the job, and so that was really good to hear. And he's really sort of dived. Uh, he's div- dived, divin in. What's the word? <laughs> What's the Do- best <laughs> He dove in, and now he seems fully primed and ready, or has been. So that's really now, good did, and reassuring. Did he mention who his favorite new Who Doctor is, or? I don't think he did. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, if he did, I don't know yeah. what was in there. But there was a lot of good stuff. Uh, he seems he's, like he's coming at it with just a great attitude, which I think we kind of knew. But it was just more sort of reassurance. Every time we, you know, I know this is all managed, of course, you know, from yeah. from the you know the BBC and RTD's perspective. But at the same time, it's being managed really well in terms of like getting out a little bit of him and a little bit of that. And there's there's certainly been a scarcity, I would say, of Shudi mm. Gatwa speaking publicly. He like once. He was announced. There was a little bit. And then there was the stuff with uh, Disney Plus in America. And he gave some interviews. And, you know, now there's Barbie in here and there. And I'm sure, obviously, he's, I'm sure he's going to do press when his, his he debuts, right? So mm-hmm. so uh, I'm, I'm glad he's not overexposed because every time we get a little bit of him, it's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, we're, we, we sort of... Uh, we're fans. We, 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 yeah, yeah. we get fa- well, we fanboy and fangirl all over it. So it's all it's, good. It's interesting because we we do have this situation where some of the doctors are fans of the show, right? Capaldi, Capaldi mm. is one. Tennant is one. And then there are other doctors who didn't necessarily watch a lot of it, like right. like uh, like Matt Smith, like Jodie Whittaker. Um, and then they they have to make the choice of like, are they going to really dive into the previous doctor's performances? Or is that going to influence their their acting too much? And like, do they have to find it within themselves first? So it's an mm. interesting choice to to binge the entire uh, new series. Uh, I am curious about like, is is he now going to dive into the classic show as well, uh, mm-hmm. or is he perhaps just going to listen to Paul to open and we can take him randomly through through certain episodes of the classic so, show? So if you are listening, Shooty, uh, please uh, drop us a line. Uh, don't forget to review the show. And um, I would say if you know Shooty, share the podcast you- <laughs> with a friend. <laughs> share with Shooty. That's our new segment, Share with Shooty. Um, yes, we, we, uh, we'd love to have you on, Shooty. We'd love to uh, get your review of a classic Who episode that you've never seen. Uh, obviously, you're now spoiled on all the new Who. Thanks for that. We can't have you on for a new Who episode because you've already seen it all. No, we'll have you on for one of those anyway. Um, so, so, yeah, gr- it's exciting. Yeah, great interview. Good stuff. Uh, Google it. Check it out if you haven't. And the other thing that I need to talk about, okay, the yeah. this dropped just a couple days ago when we're recording. It's probably old news yeah. now. But they, they uh, the BBC has said the next Doctor Who collection is season 20, so the 20th anniversary, which was uh, Davison's second season. Right, 1983. 1983. And in addition to all the extras and commentaries and, you know, they, they got together Peter Davison, Janet Fielding, Sarah Sutton to do some sort of European tour. Poor Mark Strickson feels like he was a little neglected yeah. in this one. They only had so much money, I guess. <laughs> um, but... Tyler. 
one of the things they dropped was also a, essentially a, a mini-sode. A, a, not really a trailer, but it is essentially like a, an original work. Then they do this for a lot of the other collections, like a, a mm. quick mini-sode, usually with a former companion and uh, doing sort of a usually a cute kind of story. So, for example, in previous ones, they had Katie Manning uh, promoting, I think it was season eight with uh, some Autons who were, right. you know, had the uh, scary heads and the daffodils and stuff. And usually these are done almost always, I would say these are done as kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge, knowing kind of almost send ups of the show uh, right. that clearly are just done as promotional material and done, you know, as a story, they're essentially outside the continuity, which is fine. I think that's great. I love having fun with the show. I love all that. Yeah. This was something different. This okay. Yeah. This I, that's, I'm not saying they've never done it because there were, there were bits, I think with Colin Baker, there was one with Perry that looked like it was sort of part of the continuity, but this mm. one wasn't just sort of arguably part of the continuity. It was serious and dark. So I don't want to spoil it, but essentially they go into how Tegan Tegan's history with the Mara, which was a big yes. thing in season 19 and season 20. Not a huge thing, but it was a thing. Definitely. Uh, very well, very well remembered uh, the Mara as a, as a monster and how it was sort of manipulating Tegan into helping yeah. her. Hip -hopping if you can't tell, by the way, Paul to open listeners, this, this is Pete's era. This is Pete's doctor. <laughs> this is, this is, we're in prime, well, prime Pete yeah. position here. Well, season 20 was where I started with Modern Undead. Yeah. So yeah, that's right. But I, I was just thrilled with what they did here. And God, like Janet Fielding, like really delivers in it. And there's a Sarah Sutton's in it. And I, I don't, again, yeah, go check it out. I, maybe mm. I should spoil it. Like, go check it out now because I, I want it. I'm going to spoil it now. Okay. So there's, <laughs> there's bits of it that are spoiled. So if you haven't checked it, pause the podcast, fast forward about five minutes. Go or check the time code in the notes as where it is, yep. and you'll skip all this. But so yeah, they like, reveal like, that it's a ten-minute-long video, uh, so it's it's easy. Yeah, to it's, it's good. Yeah. It's it's a good length, and they reveal mm. that the Mara never quite went away with Tegan. That mm. it's it's still in her mind, and it fools her into thinking yeah, in yeah. a dream that she's being taken back into the TARDIS, and and Nissa's there. And they're going to go on an adventure. And once she enters the TARDIS, she's in the dark place in her mind again. And it's, mm. it goes really dark, not just physically dark, but dark, dark. And there are bits where the Mara is trying to tempt her and say things like, you know, uh, tempt her with voices. And one of them is Nissa's voice saying, Tegan, we're together in another universe. You know, you, that could be yeah. you or whatever. And uh, it, which had every shipper of those two people, Tegan and Nissa, just go nuts on the Internet. And Absolutely. Uh, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but it was just, it was just really, really good. And I love how like, this is a good moment because at the end, Tegan wakes up, resists the Mara, like, and, and looks in the mirror and essentially like, I love the, she says the words go back in your box or words to that effect, mm -hmm. which I think is amazing. It's a good triumphant moment for Tegan. I think it's like, I like that it's, you know, it, she says, go back in your box rather than get out of my head. Right. Like, in other words, she's not desperate to get rid of this thing, but because she's so strong from her experience with the doctor now and her adventures, she's not quite OK with it, but she's managing this like she's stronger than the Mara, which is great. It's a great, great, great little mini story for Tegan. What a, what a great way to advertise a box set. And I, I think, you know, we're probably going to see after this more more ideas along these lines of like you you yes you can encourage people to buy the box set by saying hey it's got these great commentaries that they're, they're all sitting on couches talking about the classic series 
but yeah, what about if you add a little bit of cannon as well? That's yeah. sort of irresistible. And um, yeah, I, I knew you were going to be totally into this. Uh, it is very interesting to see Tegan again after, of course, having seen her in The Power of the Doctor. You know, she's uh, where she made her triumphant return to the show. And uh, yeah, here here we have more Tegan content, which is fabulous. Yeah. And it did it did uh, whet my appetite. I got to say, I I've been feeling for a while that we need more Davison. Yeah. Um, and we need yeah we need to go back to these stories that I saw as a kid once, and I think didn't didn't quite appreciate because they kind of had this kind of more adult feel to them. And I think uh, Kinder, mm-hmm. both Kinder and Snake Dance were were uh, among those. And I really want to now see Martin <laughs> Clunes again, who who also shows up in this in this trailer, uh, not not within the canon, but like in the trailer for the series, right? I mean, mm-hmm. his uh, yes, my goodness, I remember his character from before he was really Martin Clunes. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it, that that's that's the guy who plays Lon, I believe, in yep. Snake yep. Dance, and his very memorable role in that in that series. And again, we'll get there when we get there in the podcast. So the last thing I want to say about it is that there is definitely some undertones, possibly even overtones, to the whole thing about Tegan and Nissa sort of being more than friends. And mm. I, I've been on record, certainly in the podcast, like I I don't honestly like that idea because as it was written back in the day, I think they're written as best friends and and really mm. not really more than that. In addition to that, I would say that it's, I, I, and I don't think this is a back read at all. Looking back at Tegan and how she interacted with, you know, various guest cast, it, it feels like she's hetero, you know, like I it just, mm. I don't get at all sort of a gay vibe there. Now that said, nothing's really explicit either way. Um, but I do think this is a bit of a response to a certain, sort of fan response to that era. Mm. And again, I don't want to tell anyone you saw a different, whatever, like see the show you want to see, have your fun. Everyone should. Uh, That's fine. Uh, I think this is, again, it's not necessarily canon because it's a promo for a Blu-ray, you know? So it's like, I I don't want to overread into this too. Um, But I would also say, even though I'm I'm not thrilled about sort of retconning a kind of a lesbian relationship between the two of them, uh, which again, I'm not uh, uh, to, I, if you have to throat clear a lot when you say these things, right? Like, it's like, I'm not against that yeah. conceptually at all. Like I, I, last week I, we were talking about the doctor and Yaz, And if, if you yeah. write it that way and you want to, and Bill, Bill, what, one of the best companions, you know, and a part of it is her mm. sexuality and now upfront she is about it. All of that is great. I, I strongly encourage showing the world as it is and that sort of representation um, you know, to a point certainly, but, but you don't need to retcon in other words to, to, to do mm. that. And I feel like this is, um, uh, I, I hope this is the limit of where they go with this because you could still kind of read it either way with the Tegan. Like they, they kind of walk all the way up to the line on it and don't quite go over. So, um, that said, uh, if this is the price I need to pay to see more great content like this, I'm I'm for it. You know, like that's the other thing. Bring, like, uh, bring it on. <laughs> as long as I get to see great, great content like this with Janet Fielding and the character and really smart, thoughtful stuff. Go ahead. Do go ahead and do yeah. it if, if that's the price. 
Well, I remember on our commentary on Black Orchid, you, you were very much in the uh, Nissa and Adric have a thing camp, yeah, uh, which yeah. I didn't see. So it's definitely it's definitely a TARDIS team where there's there's a lot of ambiguity about their relationship. Uh, but I have to say, as a as a big uh, Mordred Undead fan, uh, I did love that they they reference the uh, the scene where uh, Nissa and Tegan suddenly get very old together, uh, mm. and, and sort of. Uh, juxtaposing that with them being very old together, like as <laughs> as they currently are, was interesting. But I got that shiver down my spine again of like that yeah. scene in Mortal Kombat Dead where they age super fast. Like that has never really left me. The effect of that moment, my goodness. Um, yes, that's yeah. awesome. Go check it out. And uh, yeah, that's I'm good. looking forward, Pete, to getting more Disorientigan adventures in in the can and pull to open history we'll get to them all eventually but like i i feel like we're, we are yeah. low-key asking the randomizer early to uh, to take us to that era again well i think and i really hope this gets I, I, we've <laughs> we got to get to talking about flatline in a minute but i yeah. i really like I, I hope this gets the bbc to do more with tegan even because i guess she was back in mm-hmm. power of the doctor and she did she did fine i think she's even better in this clip and it's like just even though Janet Fielding is sort of barely acted in between, I mean, she hasn't mm. lost it and has not ever sort of stopped understanding that character. So yes, yeah, let's just Brave keep Heart it going. Tegan. Braveheart Tegan could in fact be be the name of a RTD spinoff. Um, and we yeah, bring, bring her into the spinoffs, RTD. There it is. All right, folks, we are Sorry. now pivoting. Pivoting in our two-dimensional box here on your screen to none other uh, than talking about Flatline. And I'm bringing it on because I've got to get this over with. I've got to do it. Yeah, yeah. You you, you may have tried procrastinating by by talking about Nisra and Tegan, but here we are. It's that moment. (laughs) It's time again for the TLDW Challenge. Too long didn't watch. Too long Doctor Who. Too long did watch, not really too long did watch in the case of, of Flatline, but um, but yeah, we give one minute per new Who episode, 30 seconds per classic episode, but this is a new Who episode, one minute to one of us, we alternate uh, every week, um, and uh, this time, Pete, it is your turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like you've got it easier than I had it last week with Legend of the Sea Devils. It's never easy, my friend. It is never easy. <laughs> it's never I'm easy. I'm determined to do right by Flatline, though. I've got to get this. Yeah. Okay, That's so that I'm going to skip over stuff. Yeah. I'm not going down any rabbit holes. It's going to yeah. happen. Yeah, <laughs> don't don't spend 30 seconds on the cold open. That is a classic uh, problem with TLDW. Uh, but you've closed all your tabs. We do this. We mm-hmm. fly blind. We we do not uh, look at any notes whatsoever. It's completely off the cuff, uh, and it's a very enjoyable thing to watch. So we're going to get into it now with the official pull-to-open summary of Flatline in one minute in three, two, one, go. The Doctor and Clara land in Bristol, but something's wrong with the TARDIS. It's actually smaller on the outside than it usually is. It's only about five feet tall. They make their way out. Uh, The Doctor goes back in while Clara investigates, but the TARDIS shrinks even more down to sort of a a sort of model TARDIS, a toy TARDIS. 
So Clara has to sort of work on her own, but the doctor can still give her stuff through the opening. And so she finds out that a lot of people have been disappearing here and there's a memorial set up. And basically what's happened is that there's these weird two-dimensional creatures that are sort of in the walls of various things that are killing people. And they're, now they have to run from them and they go to the subway. And uh, the fact that the TARDIS falls on the tracks and uh, nearly gets hit, actually gets hit by a train. So it goes into siege mode. So you can't talk to the doctor. So the doc, Clara has to de defeat these flat creatures, which have become 3D. And so she does it by using the art of a guy to fool them into thinking there's a door, recharges the TARDIS. The doctor names them the boneless, banishes them to
um, more uh, like very well known, uh, like Flatland is what I'm thinking about. I forgot who wrote Flatland, it, but like yes, it's a it's almost the title of the episode, and that's a yep. very well known work about you know, 2d creatures experience encountering 3d for the first time. And it's all very weird. What's a square, what's a sphere and how are yeah. they different, et cetera, et cetera. Also um, a low key classic of science fiction from 1912, I believe. Yeah. Some, something yeah. like that. So, um, I, I, I was sort of like more in my, my sciencey side of my brain was more intrigued by flatline than, mm. than mummy. Uh, and watching it again here, I, obviously knew what the concept was going to be, but I could really appreciate like the story beats and just how this is structured. Like it's almost like everything is set up and paid off proper. Like this is a really like coming here right after legend of the sea devils, which was a total mess that we said, I mean here like, Oh wow, this is just really well paced. Um, There's good moments of terror. There's good, good moments of comedy. And there's such a great, great climax that the the structure, it's like, it's an exempt, I would say it's an exemplary episode of Doctor Who. Like, this is how you do it. This is the show. This is how you do it. And and one of the reasons I wanted to watch it again is that I do have a friend, uh, mentioned a couple of times, who I'm trying to introduce to Doctor Who. She's not a science fiction fan at all. And this is like literally the third episode that she's seen, a full episode of of the story uh and and was into it and it it sort of made me realize this this is a good jumping on point if you've got friends who who aren't in doctor you're perhaps intimidated by the size of the canon uh like where where do you find the entry point i mean you know we we know that with doctor you know pete that with mordred undead like that was a very random place to enter (laughs) i guess it's tolo's first episode but it's still pretty random uh whereas this is sort of you 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 see you really get a sense of what the TARDIS is like and, and mm-hmm. how that, how the doctor behaves because the TARDIS is different. And because the doctor is not able to participate in the episode, he has to work through Clara. Clara becomes the doctor. And then you've got all these sort of fascinating ethical implications of that as well. You know, the way that she lies to Danny Pink. And it's interesting that they do say, rule number one in this episode <laughs> uh, right i caught that too and it's not rule number one the doctor lies which is interesting it's another maybe another reason i'm now realizing why the randomizer took us here because in legend of the sea devils the doctor says rule number one don't wander off about about oh, Dan interesting. Off in legend of the sea devils here we have a different rule number one uh which is clara saying that it's it's use use the doctor's enemy's powers against them uh, which is God, there's, she there's does so spectacularly. Three different rule books you need to, yeah. <laughs> to figure out this series. Because one's the companion rule book, one's the series rule book, one's the being the doctor. Because that's what she says. Rule number one of being the doctor is use of your enemy's power against them. <laughs> um, which is which is a lie, which is appropriate that the, 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 uh, the doctor dubs her the doctor of lies in this because <laughs> it is all about how, how effectively she lies to Danny Pink. Well, I'll say uh, the thing about Clara being the doctor in this episode is pretty smart and i would say it's also the thing that takes it away um or it gives it sort of takes it away it gives it a bit of an extra uh uh thing to make it not just textbook doctor who like it's almost an exemplar exemplary episode because it does an interesting twist that takes the doctor out of it so structurally Mm. it's not exactly what a textbook episode of doctor who would be but because of that, it's it. That's what makes it so good. Because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is why it makes it sort of interesting for 
people like you and me to come back to and sort of look at that relationship um, a little uh, and take it apart a little more. Uh, so mm, take it apart, flatten yeah. it out, examine it <laughs> in, in two dimensions. I have to say that there's the, this is also like on, on a second viewing and, and a third viewing. Um, th- there are so many good, creepy moments that seems mm. so exemplary of Doctor Who. One, one that I zeroed in on is where the where PC Forest uh, disappears. Yeah, and you the camera pans at that point. That point is the first time you see the mural uh, on on the wall behind her. Before, of course, you know, spoiler alert. You you realize that it's not a mural. It's actually PC Forest's nervous system. But mm. the way they cut it together makes you think that that mural's been there on that wall the whole time. Right. And it's just brilliant, brilliant work. Um, similarly, sort of the, the big reveal at the end of the episode where, you know, the, uh, the, the boneless are charging the door. They're, mm-hmm. they're putting all their power into the door and we, we cut to see that it's actually a poster and it's on the other side of the, uh, you know, they're actually powering up the TARDIS, which I think is a great way, super great way to end this. Like, this, Oh, genius. That's Yeah. And, well, that's the and thing, the, yeah. The way that it cuts, the way that you sort of see Clara placing that mm-hmm. and you don't see her putting up the poster, like it's just really beautifully put together. And the more you watch it, the more you see that, which is kind of a good sign of a classic episode. Totally. Oh, yeah, I love that bit. Um, yeah. Where like the, the thing is like those murals, both the sort of human skin one, which looks like a bunch mm. of stones and the other one with the nervous system. I love how it, gives you that feeling of body horror almost without the gore. It just mm. what you you imagine has happened to these people and the pain they must have experienced is yeah. way worse than anything you actually see. Uh, just really smart horror going on here. Uh, I got to say, this is one of the scarier, but one of the scariest uh, monsters in Doctor Who early on. Mm. So I think when the boneless are two dimensional, like they're really terrifying because they're in the walls. Mm-hmm. They're really alien. They sort of slither like snakes a little bit. Um, you you know the rules to them just by virtue of what they've been described as, as these 2D creatures. Right. So you know they have to be on a surface. So, you know, they set it up with the chair that's hanging by the chain, sort of this hanging mm-hmm. chair. And, you know, go to the chair, go to the chair. And they're going to the chair. And then it's like, well, then there's still one place they can get you which obviously is through the chain and they sort of figure that out. And so there's this really just smartly written action and, and peril that happens there. Um, like just a, re- a really, really good thrilling thing. I will say they lose something when they gain a dimension, when they become yeah. 3d, they become less scary. And mm-hmm. there's also the bit where the hand comes out of the ceiling, which is kind of uh, shocking and sudden, but oh, yeah. that's where it, hand. it's sort of as opposed to the doctor's hand being being the thing from the Adams family. But oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The boneless, yeah. the big hand from the ceiling is what I'm talking about. It mm-hmm. grabs the dude and pulls them back. And that that's a little too much because then it's like, well, wait a minute. Now they're doing more than just replicating bodies in a 3D way. Mm-hmm. They're doing some sort of magical thing where they do hands and they never do something like that later. So once they're 3D. The, the script itself, I, don't, I wouldn't say it loses its way. There's just a couple of details they should have thought through a little more. And, the, and in that scene, I was thinking, well, why didn't they just have one of the shambling zombie things grab him? Mm. Um, I think it's obviously because right after that, 
the doctor has his line, oh no, they've they've come to 3D. And then you get the bit where they're rising out of the ground, which is kind of neat. So you can't yeah. really show the zombies before that, but it it does mean that well, how they had to figure something out on how they would grab the guy before and they'd come up with this hand, which is just weak, unfortunately. It it is. It's one of those moments where you're like, oh, this sort of feels like it was inserted for the just for the effect, either either in a trailer or you know what? This would have been a great episode to release in theaters in 3D, the way they did with Day of the Doctor. <laughs> well, uh, it's funny you say that. So I love everything I just said. If you qualify it, it actually gets better in a sense if you think it's a meta comment on 3D. That yes. when stuff goes 3D, it actually becomes a little worse and not yeah. as not as good. And it's just... <laughs> 3D sounds good, but it's actually not as cool as it's it sounds. <laughs> the, the whole effect. So it's like it's a meta comment on 3D cinema, which of course is yes. never really taken off. Yeah, exactly. And the doctor has that great line, of course, the next step, three dimensions. <laughs> um, which would be so great for a 3D, 3D trailer. I, yeah, I'd, I'd still love to see this uh, in, in theaters in, in 3D. I think it would be so many good moments for that. But yeah, that that's sort of like the... The script here is so tight. The writing is so good that I was only sort of jolted out of it towards the end. Uh, and it's it's around about that. It's actually when he, when he comes out of the TARDIS and says, "I name you the Boneless." Um, but that that's kind of I mean, even that is sort of like he he, he says the most Doctorish thing. Yeah, like we talked before on the show, and like the Doctor's mission statement, mm-hmm. and and how there are some really good ones, like in. Uh, beast below we talked about you know oh so don't don't in- interfere unless there's a crying child and the doctor's like yep pretty right. much yeah <laughs> and this <laughs> yep, and this time me. out it's i'm the man who stops the monsters i you're forcing to me to be what the, the role that i chose i'm the doctor i'm the man who stops the monsters and he steps out and it, he's shot from below and it's like hero pose for sure and you get the shiver down your spine of like yes this is what the doctor does like literally again meta commentary this is what the doctor does for us. He starts off as kids uh, when we're kids. So certainly growing up in the UK, that is absolutely what the doctor is. He, he is the man who stops the monsters under the bed, the monsters in your brain. And, and uh, yes, perfect, perfect moment. Perfect mission statement. And I love the fact that the doctor is reluctant to do mm. it. Well, this is the I thing. I love the fact that throughout this, he is trying yeah. to communicate with the boneless before he names them the boneless. Even though, at some point about even by halfway through you you've already sort of in the if you haven't already have your sinking feeling that they're evil mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. basically confirmed when they do the numbers thing when it's like the 55 yes, and the 23 a, the or atomic, whatever it is they do atomic numbers so this is kind of a you you might watch this if you've also watched the movie arrival mm. uh, fine science fiction movie you might think no that spoilers, arrival came first no spoilers <laughs> but arrival is all about trying to find a language in which you communicate with an alien species right right uh from a linguist perspective how do you talk to someone who just like we have no commonality well there are certain things and also this goes back to contact right that great 1997 carl sagan movie um oh sure yeah where where they're they're sort of trying to use the language of mathematics Mm -hmm. which is basically what the doctor does here right the his first attempt to communicate with these species is pi uh, and he makes a joke out of it because, of course, it's Doctor Who. You make a joke if you talk about pie, uh, you know. And uh, but it makes it very funny. But also, like that's you're you're learning something there. This is this is Rethian Doctor Who. This is educational. Um, but that that's a very similar thing. Of like talk to them in a the language of mathematics. They have circles 
in two-dimensional space so they would understand pi and then they get into atomic numbers and it's just it's fantastic and it's amazing that this preceded arrival Hmm. you might think it's an homage too but no this is two years before the movie arrival came out yeah, the um, I think the atomic number seems a bit of a red herring because it turns out it's like mm-hmm. the collar thing. He's just sort of, yes, sort of guessing yeah. at it. But yeah, it's it's great that he tries to give them every chance, and it really sets up his triumphant speech at the end. He even references it, of course. Like I tried to reach out, but I, now I realize you just don't care. Comes out. <laughs> I got to say, every time that final bit, I, it's goosebumps. Mm. Goosebumps. Yes. Like it's really good because again, not just because it's a great speech, because they set it up throughout. And yes. he's, you know, you're, you're starved of doctor action, right? Like the thing is he's in it. This is the cool thing. Mm-hmm. Like just to step out of the show a little bit, there were sort of uh, scheduling issues or something with Capaldi. I forget exactly why he couldn't uh, be, this was effectively kind of like the Dr. Light episode. Like a Dr. Light. Yeah. Like a blink. Yeah. Yeah. And they mm-hmm. shot most of his stuff in the TARDIS, of course. And that was simplified the shooting schedule, but he's in it, you know, he's handing stuff to Clara. There's a lot of good interplay between the two of them. Um, So, so he's not absent from the episode and, but we are a little bit starved for Dr. Action by the end. And of course, once the TARDIS TARDIS is charged, he comes out, he says his whole speech and uh, it's just so good. And, and he feels charged up as well as what a mm -hmm. great acting choice by Capaldi. This is why I think Capaldi may be like, he's not my favorite doctor, but I think it's, it's sort of becoming inarguable. He may be one of the best actors to have taken on the role because he makes the choice here to like be pretty low key throughout the episode as the doctor. And he's doing that in order so that when he is full on back charged up hundred percent Capaldi at the end, it does give you goosebumps mm. when he's practically yelling his lines at the bonus mm. about how this plane is protected and all of that. And it just, it's the power of that. Absolutely. Just again, just it, it is added to my list of, of best doctor moments of all time. Seeing that again. Yeah, um, and he names them. The, he names the monster. I name you the boneless. That that <laughs> may be the first line in the script where I was like, mm, "Really?" I feel a bit taken out of it. Well, like you just given them that name. I like again. I think they set it up because he has mm. that whole thing with he he wonders what to call them at some point, and then he does the tudis. You know, the, the, the dumb D flattener thing, like the dumb <laughs> yeah. name for it anyway. Yeah, we're not calling it the D flattener. And, the, and Clara's like, the, the two, two DIS? It's the two DIS. Yeah. Why do I even bother? Love that. But I think you're right in that in the hands of a lesser actor and mm. with, with a worse script, I think with that, that line is like borderline. You'd be rolling your eyes possibly or mm. like you'd have to. But it's just like it's just set up so perfectly and everything that leads up to it is so electric. And it's kind of what I see it as it's, it's a triumphant moment because mm. he, these creatures are now completely in his power and they don't even get their, the name themselves. You know, he yeah. names them. It, it's another emphasis of his power over them, which is great. Mm. And he, again, he, mm-hmm. even, even at the end there, he's sort of not quite giving them a chance, but he says, I'm sending you back to your own dimension. And who knows, you might even survive the journey. Like he knows it's probably going to destroy them. Uh, but he's also not sort of, he's arguably not deliberately just killing them right he's just like go back to where you came from and uh uses his his sonic screwdriver his actual power and then his sort of rhetorical power like i name you the boneless and that's boom and then not only not only does it i think it's a great moment 
it we know exactly where this is going to go in the Doctor Who monster book. Okay, no, there's going to be no argument at all about what to call this monster. They are the boneless. Got to say though, coming here straight from the Sea Devils, where we were, you know, rubbing up against the issue of like, is Sea Devil a slur? Because uh, uh, they, they call us land parasites, and and you know, there's that whole question <laughs> of like, is that well, boneless? That's an interesting uh, choice of word to you. Like, how do we know they don't have a skeletal structure in their in their two dimensional realm? Yeah, um, yeah, it's ooh, kind of a pejorative. Weird. It's it's very like yeah. you know, it's almost like the spineless, right? Yes, the spineless. It it is what it feels like. But you know, we 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 could you know that may be the only. Uh, dud note that that sounds in an otherwise fantastic orchestra. Yeah. And well, my doctor, goodness, I've got to say, yeah. the the one of the things when I was first, I, I think when I was first watching this, like you, you're focused on Clara, right? I think the whole season you're focused on Clara because it's something up, and like you know you don't know what it is. And right. people were kind of down on Jenna Coleman at the time, and it was. There was the, the, every debate that oxygen was sucked out of every debate about Doctor Who at that time. Because it was just like, is Clara good or bad? Like, do you like Clara or not? You, you know, the, now her adventures are like, we don't we don't talk about that anymore. And mm-hmm. you can kind of just see this is, for yeah. what it is. But also, I think that the, the sort of the comedy stuff didn't quite land at the time. Uh, yeah, of, I think of you're the, right. The TARDIS being tiny and and the Doctor's hand coming out and uh, it can it it very it, it it dances on the edge of just being a little too ridiculous, right? I mean, I think overall well, it works. Again, but, like I have to keep going back to this. Like it's just the progression, the pacing of yeah. it is done so well. Like the visual gags in particular, I think are it's expertly paced out. So you sort of start with the slightly smaller TARDIS that wets mm. your like gets you going, right? Oh, again, they're going to play with size. Okay. And then the, it's a toy TARDIS. So like, okay, that's an interesting sort of idea. And and it's really cool that he opens the door and he, she sees his face and he's like, mm-hmm. here, you're going to need this. And she's got the psychic paper and the screwdriver. It's like, oh, so that establishes they can, he can still move things out of the TARDIS, like put, hand them to her. So, and that sets up that wonderful visual gag of her standing there and PC Forest is in the room and she's just yeah. slowly pulling out a sledgehammer from yes. like, almost like a magician, you know, to, <laughs> to out of her, out of her purse. And it's just like, I remember I laughed so hard with my kids this time. Like, like, cause it's just, you're clearly yeah. invited to, cause not only is it a funny visual gag, you're kind of in the mind of, of Forrest. Where it's yes, like, exactly. how the hell did you just do that? Like, it's, just, it's kind of good that this was an episode set in the UK because I feel like that was set in the US and you just have had a, you know an American <laughs> policeman said he'd, he'd shoot you as soon as he saw the uh, you know the, <laughs> oh man <laughs> this uh, deadly tool coming out of your bag and you're just kind of handing it. But then Clara has that great line of apparently they're in the walls. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, okay, like have at it, you know, like that's yeah. pretty good. Um, and, and then, then of course, mixture yeah. of like comedy and yeah, and the, the combination of comedy and the fact that she's lying to Danny, where she's sort mm-hmm. of kind of saying, "Oh, I'm just doing a thing on my lunch break." And there's a guy I'm help, helping his find his auntie. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and the doctor's like, "Oh, good, t- not technically lying." Like that again, one one step too far in either direction. That could be, you know, unintentionally funny in a bad way that takes you out of it. But right. But yeah. I think you're right that the gags, because we're we're, we're removed from the uh, hot takes on the show and and mm. Jenna Coleman at the time, um, everything really lands. Like the humor is really good here, and not just the visual mm. gags, but I love the interplay early on when she talks about I'm the doctor and 
I think I just chose that title to make myself sound important. You know, like <laughs> it's like, okay, doctor of lies, you know, it's just, it's very funny. Yeah. Yeah. She's showing off to Riggsy, uh, which I think is wonderful. One thing I noticed about Jenna, Jenna Coleman's decisions here is the fact that she, she does three or four times in the episode, she says, Hmm. And and each time mm. it's sort of a slightly different way with a slightly different meaning. The first one is like when the the doctor's like you you should keep Briggsy around for for local knowledge, and she just sort of looks at him appreciatively and goes, "Hmm." <laughs> <laughs> but then later on, like when when they discover, you know, that they're, they're trapped, or I think it's when the bonus like reveal that they can uh, turn block, they can take blocks from two dimensions to three, they can restore dimensions. Now she just goes, "Hmm." Like, you know, in a negative sense, like, but invest that line with such wonderful sort of, you know, oh, this is clearly how she's feeling. But then that that's also a nice kind of insight into Clara's character and why she works so well as a doctor is that she can, in the words of Rudyard Kipling, uh, meet with both triumph and disaster and t- treat those two imposters just the same. You know, she she says the same thing in, in a, both a positive sense and a negative sense. Hmm. Okay. Well, this is a new development. Hmm. Uh, and I love that choice and it's just a tiny thing, but I love it. Yeah. I really like how she, you know, the doctor instructs her almost like, okay, mm. pretty, everyone's running and they're worried. Our leader is going to emerge. Make sure it's you. Yes. And so it's she, a, it's a doctor yeah. who episode template in, in that sense. Like the doctor's yeah. been through this story so many times. You're like, no, okay. This is where we need the leader. And he's kind of revealing a little bit of his secrets there, right? Yeah, like this yeah. is this is how I treat situations, and yeah. you know, if there's something's going down, I've got to do it this way. And then she, of course, becomes uh, not becomes the doctor, but she's reflecting how he would approach things in that he wants to give these things a chance, and so she's trying to come up with things, uh, even though I think herself and everyone else, their heart's not in it because she actually. I love the bit where the exchange with the doctor where she goes. Uh, do you really believe that they could mm-hmm. be good? And he's like, no, I hope it, you yes. know, like, it's just, like, it, it would make a nice change. I think he said it would make a, yeah, yeah it would be, wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be pretty to think so basically? Yeah, uh, exactly. But one thing we, we should, we should definitely talk about before going too much further is, is uh, we should talk about Riggsy and we should also mm-hmm. talk about Fenton, yes. right? Who is the, the character of the, the sort of the old, you know, snarky, nasty, borderline racist. Like you can mm-hmm. kind of tell what his real views are mm-hmm. on everything and why he really dislikes Riggsy. And he's so uh, unimaginative. The psychic paper yes. doesn't work on him. Yes, which is wonder a wonderful reveal. Uh, even if you don't, you've never seen the psychic paper before. Uh, like you get it in that moment. Like what? Uh, both the doctor and Clara say what at the same time? Like. Oh, the psychic paper doesn't. You have to have real lack of imagination. So, yeah, I mean the the economy of the script in in the way mm-hmm. that it treats Riggsy and Fenton and their sort of antipathy from from the start. Mm-hmm. Totally, it, it go, you go straight into it. It is. I mean, you know, Legend of the Sea Devils. After after coming from that, you sort of feel like you know, Terminal uh, needs to take notes specifically from this episode. Right, because mm-hmm. the very first interaction between the two of them is is Fenton handing Riggsy a, a paintbrush and saying, "Go on, your signature goes first. Now, a lesser writer might make that more of a like later in the script, like once you've built up the sense that they sort of don't like each other. Right? Yeah, 
here they have it straight up front it's like their first interaction and it so works yeah. It just establishes that Fenton's an asshole. He doesn't like art. He's opposed to. You can sort of read into that, like he's opposed to multiculturalism. He's opposed to Riggsy. He's opposed to anyone who doesn't live by the rules. He's yeah. probably, you know, low key a white nationalist, right? Yeah, he, and he's he ho- wholly not interested so much. in learning, compromising, mm-hmm. having any part of his worldview changed at all. Like he's just like, this is it. I mean, yeah, like his, him. His personality contrasting with um, Riggsy is is a great mm. background to the episode, and it certainly makes you sympathetic for Riggsy. Uh, he's just kind of a likable actor, so so that helps. But I got to say, the guy who plays Fenton, who is uh, Christopher Fairbank, I mean, he understood yes. the assignment. Oh my goodness! Like he's yeah. great. He's a grouch. It's, it- and it turns out, like his cynical view of the monsters too, turns out to yeah. be the correct one. It's the correct one, yes. They they are actually after him, which is mm-hmm. Riggsy is like, oh, oh, so everyone's after you. You know, I, I know your sort. You think everyone's after you. And and Fenton's like, well, actually they are. They do happen to be in this situation. And he's right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, it's that it, there's no question about where the episode sympathies lie. They're with Riggsy. But yet Fenton is a, if you pardon the phrase, a three-dimensional character. Because <laughs> he is actually right in those moments, and he survives. Yeah, you'd kind of expect the script to to kill him off, and then you have the great moment at the end where the doctor's like, "A lot of people died, and maybe the wrong ones survived." After, right after Fenton says this borderline racist thing of like, "It doesn't matter about the you're not saving the brush in a forest fire, you're saving the great trees," mm-hmm. and and the doctor's able to snap back into him. These these are not trees; these are people, you know. Um, yeah, it definitely yeah, echoes. He, he gets to live another day, even though he's an asshole. Yeah, absolutely. That sort of echoes a moment in Voyage of the Dam too, where mm. there was a, there was sort of a similar sentiment. And I do I do like scripts that sort of make that um, somewhat bolder choice of just having the people we hate uh, mm. survive. And uh, Riggsy gets a couple of great moments though to step up. Yes, and the first one is when he actually takes the train that has stopped in the tunnel and mm-hmm. decides to go mm-hmm. and essentially sacrifice himself by ramming it into the boneless. And Clara is one of her better doctor moments here where she sort of says, Hey, what are you doing? Okay. You know what? You're being all noble and all, but my hairband could do this just as well. Yes. And we need you alive, dude. So let's go. And I like, I like that. He's a little bit dejected. Like, Oh, I guess I I was already like he he was all about in his mind, more wanting to be a hero. And she sort of sets him straight just, just like the doctor would. He's ready for a noble suicide. And it's also, it's, it's a great sort of uh, fill in the blanks moment for, for your own headcanon. Like that's when it becomes clear that maybe Riggsy is a little bit suicidal himself. Mm. And and we don't really, it's nice because you don't really get that until the, the stuff going on with Riggsy until like right at the end, he calls his mother. Right. And you only hear a little bit of a snatch of their conversation, but it's, and he's, but he's, what he's basically saying is something happened, but listen, it, it doesn't matter. There's something else that I want to talk to you about. So clearly home knife is not great for Riggsy. Like right. you, you get that from that snatch of conversation, but it's so subtle. It's so subtle. You think that he's, like this, this sort of uh, swaggering graffiti artist in a way, but but no, mm-hmm. like he's got he's got trauma. The guy has trauma, and it's just wonderfully hinted at 
And I yeah. really love that. And I really love that they subvert the expectations of how many times in Doctor Who have we seen, you know, guest cast guy offers to sacrifice himself and the doctor's like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> it literally just well, happened, right? Legend of the Sea yes. Devils. I was just going to say, Whitaker's, uh, not to her credit, unfortunately, uh, kind of the queen of that, because it also happens in uh, The Timeless Children, where Kosharmas, I think is the character's name, comes Mm -hmm. in at the end. It's like, I'll sacrifice myself. You go off, Doctor. It's like, all right, enough. At least, again, in Arkin Space, at least the guy had the decency to deck the Doctor and put him in a a safety (laughs) closet or something. But it does happen again and again throughout the show. And I just love the way that Clara does it by putting her hairband on and like, oh, well, I guess I'll just always remember the noble hero who who died to save my hairband. Mm -hmm. Uh, What a great moment. Like the doctor could not have done better himself in that situation in terms of saving Rigsy's life. He probably wouldn't. If it had been the doctor, Rigsy would have died. Perhaps. I mean, he he's. He's kind of mean sometimes in this incarnation. Yeah. Um, so one thing, like obviously Riggsy is a key part of him, of them saving the day later and has to do yeah. use his art, which is kind of, it's a great little twist at the end. And as we were talking about earlier, it's a neat little mislead that they don't show you all the things Clara does. Um, yeah. So it's really cool that he gets to do that in the same way that Mickey saves the universe with a big yellow truck. <laughs> he yeah. saves it with a, a quickly painted poster that said it's a little it's a little the only thing that really stretched it is in again i wasn't thinking this in the moment but if you think about like how could he do that so quickly because they're sort of coming (laughs) up on them and it it, it would to make a convincing door you think that would take like an hour or two or something right yeah, and uh, you know it's one of those things where you yeah, sort of have to accept. <laughs> you, but but you know you don't think of it too much at the moment. And actually, I believed it more the second time I uh, rewatched it this week because there's remember that moment where he goes past some of his graffiti mm-hmm. in the tunnel, and he's he's like he's trying to impress Clara with it. He's like, "This is one of right. mine. Do you like it?" And you you see her just like she's got other things on her mind like she's trying to save the world at this moment so (laughs) clearly she's not going to take time to look at his damn artwork but also the dejected look on his face Mm -hmm. where she doesn't like he's really looking for approval he's looking for someone to tell him that his art is good and so at the very end when the doctor says your last painting saved the world i don't i can't wait to see what you do with your next one. Oh, i got <laughs> chills at that line yeah that's great i got goosebumps at that line my goodness i mean uh, you know for for all of the mean things that the doctor said about rigsy you know local knowledge and uh uh fluorescent uh, jellyfish or whatever yeah. else, pudding brain like, brain, to, yes. to, he, in the end he's the one who says the one thing that Riggsy really needed to hear and what a great moment and what a great yeah. moment for, for art right like, th- this whole story is located about art and exactly. it's set in Bristol which is where Banksy came from like there's definitely a reason for it to be graffiti um, and it's just beautiful yeah you know we, we had this whole discussion last week about Doctor Who's wallpaper this is that plus so much more uh, but the the art in it is beautiful. That that lovely motion moment where the the couch kind of goes, it crumples in on itself into two dimensions. Yeah, so there's a lot like of a lot of fun little abstract stuff they do with the boneless mm. early on and all their two D stuff on the walls, um, and then just the tunnel itself with the sort of figures turned 
which is mm -hmm. so smart the way they do that because it's like, oh, it's a memorial. But as, as viewers of Doctor Who, we're already sort of sus suspecting what it is. And so every time they go back there, you're very like, uh, and it's very like evocative, like the, the artwork there of things like post uh, 9-11 memorials. And um, I think sort of in, mm. in that era, that's sort of where a public art and mourning sort of combined. And now it's just almost taken, I think it is a given that that's, that's sort of a response to the thing. I remember I visited Halifax uh, a number of years ago, about 10 years ago. And after a, a particularly bad hurricane, uh, or at least a remnants of one went through there, a lot of people sort of shaped broken trees into sculptures of birds and things like that. And there's like this, this idea of sort of coming in, uh, with artwork after after trauma and tragedy and, you know, mm. putting that in. Like, it's very, very, like, the, the, it just felt so real, you know? Like, it's just yeah. the layers of this thing. And as a, as a setup for the monster, um, just really, really cool. Because you're just like, oh, no, get out of there. <laughs> yeah. And then they, they that's, that exactly happens, right? Because the guy gets flattened into the wall and then they have to run. Uh, it's kind of doesn't make a lot of sense that they go indoors immediately, but because yeah, you just keep yeah. running. But I guess you could headcanon yeah, that pretty maybe, easily by maybe saying avoid walls. <laughs> yeah, like they couldn't. Um, they probably just couldn't go anywhere else, like they, they, without mm -hmm. doubling mm -hmm. back uh, somewhere close to the tunnel. So, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, but what? A, yeah, what a great scene, and what a great scene for for exploring who Fenton is. Right, it, it, that's when it becomes mm, clear yeah. he doesn't just want to, you know, paint over Riggs's artwork. Like he will paint over all artwork. Uh, and you, that's when you have the psychic paper moment of like, you discover he has zero imagination. So what great character building in, how did in you, with um, such economy. Just to jump tracks a little bit. How did you like the final bit between the doctor and Clara, where she is basically looking for his approval and saying yes. like, you, I did good just to say it, just admit that I did well, even though, cause he's a bit mean. Like this is the thing. There's, there's a lot of first season mm. Capaldi here. You know, you, we mentioned the pudding brain, and you know sort of the general meanness here and there yeah. that i think is still here and i think that's one of those moments where she's like oh yeah you you must you must have been running out of air or whatever and you didn't know mm -hmm. what you were saying he's like yep yes <laughs> and he does it in, he says it in such a way that it's just oh that was probably not called for a doctor <laughs> yeah and then, he doesn't want to admit that he thought that she was good um you know he, he has some discomfort about that line but yeah then then he goes on to say uh you know she's like really looking for his approval but he, he does uh, eventually give good. it right like i do like that he he doesn't just walk away or whatever he basically says you were an exceptional doctor Yes, good has nothing to do with it. Right, uh, which was interesting. And I think that's just yeah. trying to echo the theme of the season, like, am I a good man? That which was mm -hmm. a whole thing throughout. I'm not sure if they were expected to read too much into that other than that. Um, well, I mean, he realize, he has several moments where you sort of realize that the doctor is realizing this is what he sounds like. Mm. In, in fact, he literally says that. Is that what I sound like? And then there's a moment where she says that I, I have to lie to them. I have to give them hope. Right. And the doctor's like, oh yeah, technically, yes, technically hopeful people do run faster. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. That's one of those lines that just sort of changes your entire conception of the entire show. It's almost like when Idris says, I always took you where you needed to go. Right. Like you realize that the doctor has kind of been saying these uplifting, hopeful things all along, just so people will run down corridors faster and not get eaten. <laughs> but that's a pretty good goal. Yeah. <laughs> to not have the beaten. So. But it's like you get recursive. the sense that he's realizing it in that moment, and he's true, like, "Oh, true. I'm I'm not good. This is not good. This whole thing is not good." And and now now I'm turning Clara into this. Like this is, you know, no, no. The universe doesn't need another doctor. Like I, all right. of these sort of ethically compromised stuff I've got in my own head. Um, it's also an interesting choice. It kind of makes you realize this is an interesting choice for uh, Moffat to have done. Uh, like right after the day of the doctor, right after the doctor is like no longer carrying the guilt of having destroyed all of Gallifrey, mm. uh, which by the way, is still very interesting when you think about day of the doctor, where it's like, yeah, Oh, for, for seasons, the whole doctor, the, the doctor's thing has been like, you know, he's th- thought about the genocide of Gallifrey and the Daleks. And he's like, yep. Sounds like the kind of thing I do, even though he probably has no direct <laughs> memory of pressing the button on the moment. Right. Now we know, but right. he's just like, he assumes, yeah, oh, well, I must have done that because that's the kind of thing I do. Like, yeah, the doctor is just beset by, you know, ethically dubious choices uh, throughout his his life. And it's it's definitely the, the downside of being the doctor. Yeah. Um, and it's good that they chose to yeah. emphasize it here in the in the first post day of the doctor season. Well, and then Clara gets a taste of it and then sort of yes. better understands him perhaps a little more. Um, and that sets her up for like what will happen the next time she meets Rigsy, you know? It's there's definitely a through line between this and Face the Raven. You know, arguably it sets her up for the next season, uh, where mm. I know Jenna Coleman was sort of on the fence about returning and then she decided mm. to, and then the direction that Moffat took her as sort of being really almost addicted to this lifestyle mm-hmm. is this could arguably flatlines a bit of a turning point where she gets to step yeah. up as the main character in this lifestyle and it's just like that was awesome <laughs> like and then she just wants to do it more what did you think about bringing missy in at the end because me for me this is sort of the flip side of how they bring missy in at the end of uh, knock knock like well, you, you don't know it's missy and uh brian if you're out there listening i i hope you you and your daughter have watched it by now so that you know that missy was in that vault uh, but like that, that the the vault uh, ending of uh, Knock Knock, we we felt sort of really made the episode, mm. uh, really enhanced it. Whereas this, for me, like just seeing Missy at the end looking at Clara on an iPad, which is too obviously an iPad, by the way. Um, well, they play with that later. Like yeah, we've done Dark Water, really, where they talk about the yes. iPads in the afterlife. But. Oh yes. <laughs> but still, like in in isolation, I'm not sure that that denouement of of Missy looking at Clara necessarily adds anything. What do you think? No, you're not wrong. I mean, here's the thing: it it's when that came on, it was so surprising in a sense because now we all know who Missy is, and I watched this with my whole family. And because some of us, I think my daughter didn't remember the storyline. We they were all like, oh, what what's she doing there? What's going on again? It was suddenly like we were suddenly reminded of all the 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 ongoing story of series eight. Hmm. So I think that doesn't work anymore because we now we know who she is. But yeah. I think you can back read a little bit into her comment about how she chose really well, which yes. is that 
she's really admiring Clara now stepping up and being sort of a version of the doctor. And in the same way we were just a minute ago, nodding with approval, Mm. like she's really getting it. Mm. And then having that extra layer of like, well, I actually picked her. So that's awesome. I'm super congratulating herself. Yeah, it does set us up to sort of connect whoever Missy is, because of course we don't know at that point, with the woman in the shop from the Bills of St. John's. Right, that, right. if we haven't already, we just don't know if she's the master yeah. at this point. Um, yes, exactly. Which it, it, So I guess it's a nice distraction. So I guess it works in that sense, but just it seems like such a hurried denouement. Mm-hmm. And also left me with a question of how is she actually watching Clara on this iPad? Like where's where's the camera? Well, this is uh, okay. So here's here's a not really a pick of the story, but that's a really good question. But it actually makes me think a little bit about the nanotech the doctor uses to hijack Clara's optic nerve and sort of have mm. a, a microphone slash speaker in her ear. So that's great. I mean, the main thing, the reason they do that, obviously, is so they can still interact in real time as if the doctor's in the room, and that's mm. key to a lot of the dialogue between the two. So. Awesome. I'm glad they did that. But it does bring up the uncomfortable question of, well, why wouldn't you do that in every single adventure you've been in? Like with every yeah. companion, like if you have this tech, like what are you doing? Uh, yeah. So the, the doctor could just stay in the TARDIS the whole time and just kind of give his companions this. Or, this or get your own iPad, right? Like, or whatever. <laughs> like, you just walk it around and like, okay, you go that way, I'll go this way, and we'll stay in touch through this nanotech. And we will right. we can see what the other person sees on this on our yeah. mobile devices. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that does sort of, that, that brings up the, the whole space phone issue, right? If you, if you yeah. can talk across time and space on phones, why isn't the Doctor doing it more often? You know, that, that could change a lot of, uh, of these... Uh, episodes if you have that you know uh, especially if you have the doctor and his companions in constant contact yeah just just open up a call man it doesn't ruin the the episode at all and i'm willing to sort of shrug a little bit and say Mm. well you know sometimes you just have to do these things for a particular story and it does kind of screw up the continuity a little bit and if it's if if it's going to make the show less interesting which it would because the doctor who Doctor Who structure, it's not the Avengers, okay? Like, not everyone is going to have, like, earpieces and talking to each other. Like, it's just it's, it's a different kind of show. So I get the reason for it. It's just, it's obviously a dangling thing that they can't really explain away that easily. Yes. Well, we can't explain that away easily, but maybe we can explain some other things. How about well, that for some linking narration? <laughs> things that we might want to ask some questions about. Yes. Perhaps the four questions to Doomsday? Yeah, the four questions to Doomsday. (laughs) Uh, What's the first question, sir? First question is, why did the randomizer take us here? Good question. Okay. So (laughs) I kind of already said my take on this earlier, but straight up, I think we've gone from one of the most notorious examples of how to do Doctor Who wrong to one of the best examples of how to do Doctor Who right. Right. And I think Flatline's great because it shows that you don't need your story to be sort of part of some epic ongoing storyline. You can do something great in kind of a one-off. And I I draw a comparison here between Doctor Who and another franchise, which is the X-Files, where Mm -hmm. to me, in my mind, I was never all that into the ongoing story of the X-Files. I was never a religious watcher of that show but i loved 
certain one-off episodes that I it made me come back to the show time again. And one one of them is one. It's called it's called War of the Copperphages, and it was written by a writer called Darren Morgan. And it's clearly a one-off episode of the X Files. It's kind of a monster of the week episode, but it's just so cleverly written. It's so paced well, and you know things are set up and paid off, and there's clever dialogue. And it's really like it's it it's a reminder that a franchise like either Doctor Who or X Files is built on your one offs. You know yeah. that's what's you, you're that's what the show is at its heart. It's really sort of almost an assembly of these one offs that you then play with and create ongoing stories out of. But it's it's an episodic show, and this is a great episode uh, of Doctor Who, and uh, I'm. Just, <laughs> I think I'm just going to leave that thought there because that, yeah. I'm, I'm about to fade into my rating, which isn't the first question. Yes, yes. One of the randomizers. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right that it, it took us here because I mean, it's it's poor poor Chris Chibnall. I feel like the randomizer is digging at him by by taking us <laughs> to such stellar writing and to show this. Never, it's never really about the budget. Like the Legend of the Sea Devils, huge budget, giant set. You know this, like I don't know what the budget was. Like a little, little bit of CGI, a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, you got to you, you got to buy a toy TARDIS, I guess. Um, well, and I think it shows you know. that the budget wasn't that high because the, yeah. if there's anything that took me out of the show, it was the special effects around the train, which mm. almost looked like they were done in uh, like for a different show. Yeah. You know that that almost reminded me of like classic Doctor Who because they just look incongruent with how the rest of the show is shot yeah but it's yeah i mean the 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 uh the artwork using artwork effectively like that that's that's mm-hmm. low budget but yeah it's all about the script mr chibnall it is all about the script and it's all about how do you how do you take these characters and how do you subvert our expectations around them how do you draw them really quickly and and show their opposition to each other and and really this does everything that legends of the sea devils didn't mm. in terms of making these characters clearly drawn you know putting them into uh you know, uh, fighting each other, basically, you know, the, the whole Riggsy and Fenton thing. And, uh, you know, straight from the start, you know, never confusing us, the audience of who is who. And, uh, you know, and not allowing the sort of the lazy writing of Jen Han sacrificing himself. Mm, you know, right. Instead subverting our expectation on side character uh, sacrificing himself. Um yeah. yeah, and and doing it by the way with with uh, I think we should mention like this is really good sort of progressive episode in terms of like the 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 it's it is the young black man who does not sacrifice himself in the end who wants to right but like that is a trope that we need to get past you know of the you know the the the, the black character and any any narrative is the one who's going to die and be the best friend who dies or whatever We've seen that too many times this is a great way to subvert it so. Uh, love that about this story. Love it, uh, and and also, yeah, the randomizer and the TARDIS man. Uh, it's all it, it loves the TARDIS. It loves the episodes. TARDIS, yeah. and minim- and it loves minimizing the TARDIS. It clearly loved Planet of Giants, <laughs> uh, and wow, you know what? What a great thing to take us back to. I I think at the time I just sort of had memories of the. Um, uh, the thing, the Adams family moment where the doctor sort of claws, yeah. uses the target to claws way out. I think that didn't land me, for me the first time. And I think it sort of cemented the idea that this is sort of too comedic. 
but no, wow. I mean, Jamie Jamie Matheson, got to give him a shout out. We haven't even mentioned his name yet. Right? Yeah. He, he wrote right. this and, <laughs> and Mummy on the Orient Express, like almost back to back. Holy crap. I mean, he must, you know, in, in terms of hit rate, he's got to be one of the best writers in yeah. Doctor Who history. Also did The Girl Who Died and Oxygen, yeah. which we've done for the podcast. And I think we, we gave we have, a pretty favorable yeah. review to Oxygen. Yeah, um, yeah, we did. Yeah, hear all of that. I mean, I guess what we're coming to is in terms of the answer is like the, the randomizer likes a roller coaster. <laughs> take us down and then straight back up. That's all right. right. Uh, I wonder if we have a bingo, by the way, on Adam's family references. We'll have to see. <laughs> by the way, one last word about that. I I really appreciated it this time. I, th- I think I loved it the first time where he does the hand thing. Just because it's one of those sort of moments in a show where you realize, oh, yeah, like, you know, you can just do that, you know, like it doesn't occur. And it clearly didn't occur to the doctor and the uh, Clara has to sort of tell him to do it. But it's like, oh, of course, he's made it lighter. Yeah. Why couldn't he do that? You're just kind of into it. And I think I liked it even more this time because I really appreciated the way they set it up. I said the whole progression earlier from the slightly smaller TARDIS to the tiny TARDIS to the visual gags with the sledgehammer. And then this is like the icing on the cake or arguably like, you know, the, the main course, whatever, like, uh, yeah. like it, uh, I could see someone still being taken out of it just cause it is, yeah. it's a consciously silly, but it does work with all that setup. Cause if they did this first, then that would have been you would have just completely taken out of it. But because of the whole setup, I think it works even even more than it did the first time. Yeah. Plus, you get and it it doesn't work at the end. Like he he thinks he he gets off the track. And by the way, I realized that 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 gif of the sort of the doctor turning away and dancing uh, from the from having dragged himself off the track that's actually quite a common gif. Uh, you know, you see it right. Kind of, yeah, yeah. On the internet uh, of just sort of a happy. Happy dance yeah, Nailed it. Uh, <laughs> nailed it. But then he hasn't, right? Yeah. Then he has to go into siege mode. And is this this is the first time that we see what the TARDIS actually looks like. True. Right? It becomes I mean, this Gallifreyan cube, almost like the yes. moment. Gallifreyans yeah. like their uh, cubes, I guess. They they do. It, it, it is very much like the moment. Um, you know, uh, but wow. I mean, you know, we, we don't know if that's, I mean, who knows what a type 40 actually looks like at the end of the day, this is what it looks like in siege mode. Right. Uh, which I just, I love the idea. It was like uh, booting it up in safe mode equivalent. <laughs> right. Well, like, um, like we said, like I, when I said it works, obviously I was talking about as a scene and as a moment, but like, I like uh, to your point, I really do like the twist that it doesn't work, that it falls back on mm. the track and it has to, turn into this thing which of course escalates everything because up until yes. this point clara has been able to at least talk to the doctor and now she's cut off and has to really step up on her own and of course does i mean mm-hmm. again like just the structure jamie madison good work my man yeah incredible work also you know i've got to give a shout out to moffat who's the one who inspired madison to kind of take the idea of tiny tardis and just go for broke, go completely in that direction. Keep it shrinking, which it didn't in earlier versions of the script. So mm, yeah, you know, Moffat Moffat's your man for like, what if we just made this insanely far in that direction? Yeah, and it really worked. Well, something else didn't work, but we're going to ask about what if it did, because the second question, of course, is what if the evil plot had succeeded. 
Okay, so obviously the evil plot is that of the boneless to invade our dimension and invade, uh, infiltrate, or just replace us. Yes, that, another another nice line. It's nicely ambiguous about what what they want to do, but they clearly don't care about us. Uh, they, you know, their evil intent has been established, which mm-hmm. is lovely. Um, so presumably, we're looking at a scenario where Riggsy's painting of the door either doesn't fool them or like it's too slapdash and they're like, that's not a door. Uh, and then, and then they move in and kill them. And so, so the doctor dies, right? Doctor dies in, inside the TARDIS. In the TARDIS yeah. And it doesn't matter if he regenerates cause there's still no power. Yep. Um, so that's tragic. Uh, yeah. everybody else and dies in the oxygen, right? You get the sense that he's losing oxygen. So, so, so again, just going to asphyxiate. Yeah. Yeah. So to the point mm. of, what did the boneless want? Cause it's ambiguous. We don't really know what their vision is. I mean, if you could presume they're there to invade. So whole, they essentially take over the earth. And honestly, if they, if that's their goal, there aren't that many doctor who monsters that I would say would probably pretty decisively do it in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, so I think pretty quickly the earth becomes a uh, flat land. <laughs> yeah. And do they well, then people on the internet who said the earth was flat, it turned out to be right. Yeah. Do they then proceed to invade the cosmos? And then I, I feel like the only species like the Daleks or the time Lords could really do something about them because they require some kind of dimensional manipulation to, goodness, to really I, push them away. I love the idea of 2d Daleks. <laughs> Flattened Daleks. Well, we've yeah, seen that, right? Flat, the posters nice. in their ships where, they're just promoting themselves. <laughs> yeah, the, the cardboard cutout Daleks from Power of the Daleks could finally be used. Uh, oh, man, that, that would be an amazing sort of knowing send-up of the show itself where it's like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've seen these before, these, these flattened Daleks. Yes, by the way, uh, not to get too far away from the four questions, but there's just so much to talk about about Flatline. Like, I love the fact that they use the, the effect first used by Hans Holbein in mm-hmm. the 1530s uh, where this is a famous thing in the history of art. Like he took a picture of a skull within a, a, a painting called the ambassadors, which is just a painting of two ambassadors. who were his patrons, right? It's the, the guy who did all the paintings for Henry the eighth. And, and he stretched out the skull in the painting so that if you look at it from one side, you can see that it's just a skull on a shelf behind them. If you're looking at it straight on, it looks like a kind of a blur across the right. Middle, right. Oh yeah. That's like the, yeah. yeah. They do that in the cold open. This became all the yeah. range. So there's actually a, a, an image of uh, Henry VIII's son in in the National Portrait Gallery. It was done like that. Uh, you can see it in the, oh, if you go to the National Portrait Gallery in London, where you can only, if you're standing on the stairs, you can only see it from you know uh, properly from one side. Otherwise, it looks like a smear. So yeah, so I guess they take it over. But you know what? I don't think the evil plot's going to get very far. Why? Because Missy is watching. Mm, and that's right. Missy would step in if if Missy would not let her beloved doctor die in siege mode in the TARDIS. She'd uh, she'd it, I think she would instantly whip those those boneless up into the uh, the the cloud or whatever whatever her evil plot is. I forget mm, from Doctor yeah, yeah, yeah. the Nether Sphere. No, you're right. Um, so so yeah. she steps in. So this is what happens. Yeah. And then it's a matter of whether or not the doctor sees this happen mm. or doesn't have a, some other explanation in his head for what happened. Because if 
he sees Missy and that's all like basically her plot is revealed early before mm-hmm. any of the other episodes happen. Um, so I don't know, maybe Danny doesn't die then. We'll maybe, see. maybe. Yeah. 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 Well, Danny not dying brings up <laughs> the issue brought to us by the third question, which is where is the Clara splinter? <laughs> Clara Oswald, of course, in the episode, but prior <laughs> to this episode, she was also splintered in time in The Name of the Doctor. She is somewhere in every single episode of Doctor Who, a splinter version of her anyway. Uh, where is the Clara splinter in Flatline? I, I would love it if the answer to this one is just really mundane uh, and that she's actually just uh, teaching the class that Clara should have been teaching that day. <laughs> just like stepped in for this one moment she's like oh i guess i'm a substitute teacher now um or but, but then that wouldn't work because then danny would know that she'd been at work like she has to be somewhere kind of really yeah. far back from the action here um, well my take was that when they find that room in the tunnels it's apparently stocked with you know posters and tape yes. and glue and paint and pens and pencils <laughs> and I think she's part yeah. of the Bristol city planning office. And she basically yes. ensures all those rooms are very well supplied at all times. That's, that's kind of where my head went. Yeah. She is a substitute teacher, this other Clara, but in Bristol, and <laughs> she's just done a, uh, a, a, th- a whole class with students where she takes them down into these disused tunnels. She's like, we're going to do art class today, kids. You know, let's let's, let's bring go. all our supplies in here. Love it. Yeah. Or maybe she's sort of like uh, also kind of whispering to Clara, like, don't don't get back in the TARDIS next time. You know, if, if the TARDIS ever goes tiny, don't get back in. Right, right. Sleep. Stay out. Yeah, if you followed that advice. In Bristol. Yeah. Smart girl. Moving on to the final question, the ultimate question, the only question that matters for Flatline. What did we think of this episode? The Polto Open rating system, of course, has currently five ratings. There's the Dalek, which is what we have for a good episode of Doctor Who. The Ogron, which is what we have for a not-so-good episode of Doctor Who. The Professor Hater, which is a not-so-good episode, but hey, at least they tried something or we learned something. The Viscount Banger, which we reserve for the best of the best, or the rarely used fixed point in time, which is a story that is beyond rating. We can't rate it for often reasons of nostalgia, but sometimes for other reasons. Yes, and the the other potential rating, I just want to, you know, uh, (laughs) put in a shout out for, we've got got polls up on this. Uh, We will do by the time you're listening to this about whether we should make the Lady Cassandra, an official rating. Uh, the Lady Cassandra being an episode that was not good, like Legends of the Sea Devils, but was pretty, at least. Was pretty wallpaper, you know. Thin thin plot, doesn't hang together very well. Uh, needs a lot of moisturizing. But, yeah, it's kind of, you know, pretty flat wallpaper. And uh, you'd think flat. that maybe Flatline might, <laughs> might qualify for that. But no, no, Flatline, like there's no question of this being anything other than a Viscount Banger. Uh, wow, that's not not a rating I would have given to it when I was watching it in context uh, with season eight, and um, 
I but yeah, there's no question now looking back on it. Low key banger. I must agree. Yes, I was kind of not sure if I wanted to go all the way for a banger on here. I don't want to cheapen the banger rating. Mm. But I mean, I I said the word at the outset, this is exemplary Doctor Who. And how could I not give a Viscount banger to something that just really gets the show and is so pleasing on so many levels? Not everything yeah. has to be an epic for it to be a banger. And and like we said earlier, I would really recommend this episode to anyone who is new to the show. It doesn't have yeah. to be your first. It could be the first episode you watch of Doctor Who. But certainly if you're just kind of sticking your toe in and not sure if you're into it or not and trying to decide, watch Flatline. Watch Flatline. Yeah. I think you'll be convinced to watch more and more of it. Uh, and certainly one, if you are a longtime fan and you want you to give uh, an interesting episode that isn't maybe one of the predictable ones that people uh, are often recommending people start with, go ahead and tell them to do Flatline. And you know what? I think also it's, it's going to be, uh, the further we get away from it, uh, the, the, better, the better it's going to look. And I think part of the reason of that is it sort of feels like, I mean, it's literally a pre-Brexit episode, right? Uh, two, two years before the vote that divided Britain seemingly forever. Uh, into two camps, uh, two camps that are very ably represented, I think, by by Fenton and Briggsy. You know, so you sort of see that division in British society before it actually happened. It's al- almost predictive of that kind of breakdown in society that we have. So, yeah, I think we're going <laughs> to need your Brexit read on every episode. That could be a se- new segment. <laughs> What's the Brexit how read does, of this one? How does this connect to Brexit? Because yes, <laughs> long-time listeners know that I may have done this before. However. Like it's you know it's such a seminal moment of British history and it's such a traumatic event that like I think that looking back to two years before it happened and seeing this sort of almost foreshadowing here uh, is very interesting. So yeah, Viscount Banger in all of its ways, amazing, amazing what you can pack into a single script: like politics, art, um, you know, a locked room mystery, uh, learning more about the TARDIS than you've ever learned before all squeezed into a 45 minute script. And you know, this, this is how you do it. Chris Chibnall. This is how you do it. Any future show runner, Dr. Who watch flatline, uh, and learn. Uh, if you want to write any kind of script, watch flatline and learn. Absolutely. Layers upon layers upon layers for 2d monsters. That's very apt. Um, just <laughs> really quick notes so as we, before we leave, I mentioned, I watched mm-hmm. this with my whole family. Kids really liked it. My wife really liked it. Uh, there was an interesting moment early on. I just wouldn't mind mentioning because like, sure. there's the memorial in the sort of subway there. And my daughter, who's 10, asked, what's that? Which I, I really l- kind of was struck by the question because, you know, it just reminded me of of sort of the mm. innocence of that question of like not understanding yeah. what a uh, uh, spontaneous memorial is. And sort of because I, you know, having lived through 9-11 and living in New York, certainly like the spontaneous memorial thing it's just almost like shorthand these days i feel like in Mm. um in in fiction so it was kind of good to feel like oh yeah that's you know not necessarily just automatic knowledge uh which i think sort of uh not sure what to take away from that but i i (laughs) it was kind of a a, a nice little moment um yeah, it does read differently as as an adult when you see a wall like that. Like it's there's only one thing it could be because, I mean, and also sort of reminds you of like, 
you you you're driving down a highway and you see a point on the highway where there are little like little teddy bears and 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 a note and a photo right and you know instantly what's happened and your your heart sinks so it's a great way of using using our shorthand of what we what we know and yeah. see about the world so jack thought it was yeah. a solid episode he rated it a dalek um one of the things yeah. he reacted to though and this is uh, just an unfortunate thing reality of the production capaldi's hair is all over the place in this one like it's uh, yes yeah so like when he walks out of the tardis at the end he's got really short hair i think what they've learned also from season one of capaldi is that he's much better with longer hair you know the crazier <laughs> look especially really when it gets is. really crazy by the end of uh uh, twice upon a time. So all that's good. Um, and I'll just finally end it on that climactic scene is so good. I mean, it really hits home the banger status of this episode mm. and I can watch that scene all day long. And I have the clip is on YouTube <laughs> and I've watched it over and over again. I am the doctor. I name you the boneless, etc. Like, Oh, just amazing. Just one of the all time yeah. great scenes in doctor who they really pull it off. Agreed, agreed. And yeah, for, for those of you who are more classic Who fans, like I think this is a good one to watch to remind yourself that New Who can take you to new places, uh, even even as a classic series fan. Alrighty. Well, we're going to be taking ourselves to new places in just a moment because we have to find out where we're going next. And to do that, we need to activate the randomizer. The randomizer, if you've been living in two dimensions for the last uh, 89 episodes of Pull to Open, uh, is uh, com- consists of two components. It's how we decide where we're going next. First component, Pete, is that the controls of? That's the codex. That's the list of all of Doctor Who stories in weirdly sequential order. Mm-hmm. Uh, bizarre. Uh, you know, we all sort of feel like a two-dimensional person uh, coming into three dimensions looking at that. Like, what the hell is that? Uh, I want to understand it. So I go to random.org, which is the executor, which is the other part of the, the randomizer. And uh, what happens there is they, at random.org, use true randomness. They're listening to atmospheric noise and uh, not algorithmic randomness Uh, computers are pseudo-random it's a terrible problem in computing they're never quite solved um but but random.org doesn't do that and it's bespoke randomness and uh, what peter's going to do is going to tell me how many stories we've got left uh in the in pull to open's future uh, mm-hmm. And I will plug that into random.org and we will give the randomizer some challenges and I will hit the generate button. Pete, what are we up to? Looking forward into the future, we have 211 episodes remaining. 211. We are out of the New York area code zone. Uh, the randomizer did not listen to uh, Pete's request last week that we uh, get for the, for the 212 episode that we get a 212 based story. Uh, mm-hmm. However, so do you, would you like to give it a fresh challenge? Uh, why not? Um, I don't want to take anything away from C. Harvey's challenge uh, of mm, the bus, the, the a bus, bus episode. So, uh, yeah. Randomizer, if you're listening, go ahead and take us to Planet of the Dead or even something that's sort of quasi-bus. I remember in... Ooh, what was that McCoy episode? Uh, Delta and the Bannerman. There's some kind of sort of cheap tour thing they're on at the beginning there too that's arguably a bus so there's a lot of lot of semi-bus episodes but i would say like what intrigued me most about flatline when i first saw it uh and this time it still really works is that sort of taking a part of really interesting scientific concept and turn it into something mm. in, something scary or thrilling or just fun 
show me something that that does that whether that's christopher h bidmead or mm. something else but like let's have some fun let's have some fun with science Let's have some block transfer computation in here. <laughs> uh, yeah, but by the way, uh, we, we kind of have to give this a banger, given that we gave Legopolis a banger. Um, <laughs> right. So, yeah, yeah. And this, this is this is clearly, I think, a little bit above Legopolis in the, in the, in the banger rankings. But, um, but yeah, I'm actually going to say, uh, give us give us another bottle episode. Maybe not a hmm. bus episode, but a bottle episode. Uh, which is kind of, you know, it's a little bit difficult to define. You sort of know it when you see it, but, you know, small scale. The, the classic one for Classic Who, of course, was, uh, is it Edge of Destruction? The, the early one oh, inside the spaceship? Very much, yeah. Cool. The very, uh, arguably yeah. the very first bottle episode of Doctor Who. very first bottle sure. episode, which I've never seen, by the way. And um, oh. I know that you love Hartnell, so uh, maybe you should give us that. But, you know, whatever, 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 there are many other examples in, in Whovian history. A bottle episode, so uh, just bring us one of those. So we got bottles, buses, or science. <laughs> What's it going to be, randomizer? So I'll give you a countdown. Yes. All right, let's find out in four, three, two, one. Run for your life. 84. Oh, old who, I think. Got to be early. Randomizer number 84 is Ark of Infinity. Oh. Whoa. Okay. It's it's it, it. The only thing the randomizer focused on, it seems like, was Mike raving about the Tegan stuff. Yes, <laughs> the, it was the giving a Davidson episode, but it's also giving us a Colin Baker story. Oh, and something from C- series twenty, season twenty, not series twenty, season yes. twenty. There we go. Yeah. There we have it. And more Time Lords. We know the randomizer loves Gallifrey. We're almost a Gallifrey bingo. Yeah, there's TARDIS stuff in this one too. Not as fun mm-hmm. as the dimensional stuff, but there, there's a lot going on here. Oh, man. I don't right. want well, to say any more, rather, lest I spoil yeah. anything. Uh, I have not seen this one in years. I'm very excited to get back to it. Me too. And guys, we are excited to bring you to Arc of Infinity soon, but not today because it's time for us to bid goodbye. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Hey, guys, it's Pull to Open. It's a podcast. Please subscribe if you have not already or follow, as I believe the term is in the Apple Podcast app. It's that little plus <laughs> sign when you get to our show page. Just hit that. Yes. Plus me, plus me. Follow us all on the socials. Pull to open 63 on all kinds of networks. It's Twitter. It's Instagram. It's Facebook. It's It's threads. Threads. You betcha. And uh, pull to open. uh, Well, that's it. It's just pull to open on TikTok and YouTube.com slash pull to open. Check us all out there. If you, by the way, if you do follow the podcast on an app, please also follow us on YouTube. That'll really help the show. And we will see you next time for when we uh, find out what is going on in the Ark of Infinity. Back to the Davison era. I'm very excited, and we'll see you then for it. <laughs>